The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to Email Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're doing a deep dive into one of the most important tools in a marketer's toolkit, email. Each day this week, we're going to publish an episode that discusses what you need to know to optimize, scale, and de-risk your email marketing strategies. With us today is Tracy Sistilli, who's the head of marketing at SparkPost, which is a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. SparkPost is the world's number one email sender and delivers over 37% of the world's B2C emails. Their unmatched data footprint, real-time alerts, and spam trap monitoring help their clients find and fix problems with their email campaigns before they become an issue. And so far this week, we've talked about the landscape for email marketing as a channel, how to optimize your email content, how to make sure that you're reaching your customers by improving your deliverability. And today we're going to discuss how Tracy uses email as a marketing channel working to market the world's biggest email sender. Here's the fourth installment of Email Week with Tracy Sistilli from SparkPost. Tracy, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me back. Great to have you here. And I know that we've talked a lot this week about email in general, and I want to get a little bit more tactical and pick your brain about some of the ways that you're using email at SparkPost. And it's a little meta because you work at the world's largest email sender, and I'm assuming that email is a large part of your marketing efforts. Tell me a little bit about how you use email as a marketing channel at SparkPost. You're right. It is one of our larger marketing channels, super high ROI. We use it for a bunch of things. We use it for prospect nurtures. We use it for onboarding. We use it for customer nurtures. We use it for usage reports out of our app. We use it for special outreach, event outreach. We're doing a webinar invite or a dinner invite or something like that. So a lot of demand gen stuff. It's interesting that you basically broke down a couple parts of your funnel, nurture, onboarding, and then your customer engagement emails. And then outside of that, there's a couple things just related to specific events that you're doing. Talk me through some of the campaigns and how do you think about nurture and how do you evaluate that stage of your funnel when you're using email? Sure. So we have a prospect nurture and a customer nurture. I think that oftentimes as marketers, we forget about the customer. Like once we get them in, we kind of forget about them, but they still need to be nurtured so that they will continue to have a really good customer experience through their life cycle. The prospect nurture is a little bit more higher touch. It's a little higher frequency. 
Whereas the customer nurture is not as high a frequency, but they're both equally personalized. But the content is just different because once they're a customer, we know everything about them and we can tailor the content to specifically help their job needs. Whereas if it's a prospect, we kind of know what their job function is, but we might not know exactly what their struggles are, or their pain points. So we try to structure it that way. Our prospect nurture is broken up by where they are in the buyer's journey. So whether or not they're in the awareness, the consideration, or in the evaluation stage. And then based on that, where they are, that is the type of content that we figure out what resonates best in those stages and how to sort of get them to convert from stage to stage. So I'm assuming that it's an iterative process, but tell me a little bit more about your prospecting campaigns. You mentioned the three stages, awareness, consideration, and evaluation. How do you know when someone is in one of those stages? And then how does that affect the content that you're presenting to them? We track everything in our marketing automation software platform. So we can tell based historically what they've done they're already scored with a certain number of points that tells us how much engagement they've had so far with our brand. If they're net new and have never had any engagement, then they automatically, they just need to know about us so they get put in the awareness stage. If they've done some research, have been to our website maybe, or have downloaded something in the past, or just indicated that they've heard of us, or maybe looked at the pricing page or something like that, then that indicates to us that they're considering looking for a solution. And then there are other higher pieces of content in the funnel for evaluation, like case studies and third-party validation pieces that you can tell that that's what they're looking for on your website. So the messages that you're pushing out through email when someone is in awareness, consideration, evaluation, just walk me through some of the messages that you're trying to get across. And the big question is, what are the calls to action that you're trying to drive someone to? Well, I think it's always to either to read something or to register for something or to download something that is going to help them with their decision process as they're going through those stages. I don't think a buyer actually knows that they're in a particular stage, for example, the way marketers classically classify them. But for an eval stage, for example, we know that they're looking for some sort of third-party validation. So the goal would really be send them either a case study to read or to send them to a white paper that was written by a third party that validates our position and our messaging and what our value add is. Okay. So when you're walking somebody through the process, how do you figure out whether you should be sending someone an email to re-engage them or whether you should be using other channels? Maybe you're thinking about social media advertising or some of the other ways that you can get in front of your customers. Is it email and only email or where does the email fit in the rest of your marketing mix? It's a multi-touch. So every channel, I think, should get its fair share of attribution. So we use email as part of a multi-touch integrated campaign. We might touch this person, say, via LinkedIn ad, but then we will maybe send a triggered email afterwards, say, hey, we noticed you downloaded this in the past. It's a guide about, say, product managers, and here's a different paper, a different resource that we think might complement that. So we'll send that along. So from a multi-touch perspective, email complements a lot of the other channels. We're touching them in different ways. Not everybody is an email person, right? So we might be able to reach you better on LinkedIn. We might be able to reach you better through social or through SEO. Everybody is different. So, you know, they used to say it was like 7 to 12 touches. I think that number has gone up to like 13 to 16 touches before you can get a prospect to convert. All of those touch points will complement each other. And oftentimes we just follow up via email because it's so easy, but it's not the only way and it's not the only channel. 
just a way to keep them engaged. It's one of those where you can tell whether not only have they viewed the content because you get the open rates, but you can also tell whether they clicked as opposed to when you're delivering advertising, when you're doing something that is more visual, you get an impression, but you don't know whether someone has really engaged with it unless they click, right? The impression can be ignored on social. And that's one of the problems with those channels. One of the things that I noticed working at a startup when I was doing lots of social advertising is that when we had our Facebook campaigns running, we would see a boost in performance across other channels, specifically our email open rates. Have you found that other channels help support your efforts in email? And does it work the other way when you're sending a lot of emails? Do you see a lift in other channels? I don't really think that you need to necessarily send more email to get the same benefit or the ROI out of email. You could send less email as long as it's specific, personalized, targeted to the individual that you're sending it to, and it would still have the same effect in regards to how it integrates with other channels. I don't really feel like spending more money on email or sending more email necessarily does that. I think they all work in conjunction with each other. I haven't noticed a trend like that but I've noticed trends where I don't send any email, but I'm doing social ads, then yeah, the response rate is going to be lower on social ads. I think the more touches that you can give people in different formats in which everybody who consumes content doesn't necessarily share content in the same way and vice versa, how they share content and how they consume it is different. So those touches are just going to vary across the board. No individual is exactly the same. So you want to throw out the different touch points so that you can reach somebody in a manner in which they want to be communicated to and want to consume the content. And sometimes it's email and sometimes it's online advertising and sometimes it's a webinar or a trade show or what have you, but everybody is different. So I think that they just are all super complimentary. Yeah, I think that the right answer to evaluating your marketing mix is be as many places as you can relatively frequently, but not too much. And I think that email is potentially a little different than most other channels where if you raise your impression volumes on Facebook, are people really going to start crying? Like maybe somebody says, I'm tired of seeing this ad every once in a while, but they just go right past it. They just tune it out. When you start sending somebody too much email, they get upset. They take action. They mark you as spam. They write angry emails back. Or they unsubscribe, right? That's the other caveat. <laughs> then you can no longer email them. They're a ghost. They're into the wind. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about how you evaluate email. You know, when you're thinking about multi-touch attribution, and you mentioned that email is one of your highest ROI channels, is the evaluation for email any different than your other channels? What percentage of credit do you give an email engagement with driving a lead and a conversion? So I think it's different if you're doing traditional marketing versus say like you're doing account-based marketing. If you're doing traditional marketing, they're going to be scored in your marketing automation system. And that's usually by points. If you're doing an account-based marketing campaign, it's going to be scored, but not by points. It's usually by engagement minutes. And it sort of looks at it that way. So they're not completely apples to apples. How we look at what is a success, it's more whether or not the email got them to do the action that you wanted them to do. So did they convert on that action? We try to limit our actions in an email, like the specific call to action to one thing for them to do. Because when you give them multiple links to click on or multiple things to do, it's hard to really track that effectively. But ideally, those that convert and on that call to action, then we sort of track that all the way through. And did that conversion turn into a meeting? And did that meeting turn into pipeline? And then that pipeline turn into a closed one? So tracking that all the way through. 
So each step had some sort of attribution associated with it, whether it was email would never be the first touch because you already have their email, but it could be what caused them to download a paper and cause the opportunity to be created. So and therefore it might get a heavier attribution than it would be if they just clicked on a link and read a blog, for example. I've mentioned that I think email is the most important tool in a marketer's tool belt. I'm going to give credit to other channels first because I think that email often serves as the conversion hammer where you do all the legwork, you're building credibility, you're showing up in the right places at the right time, and then you send your email. And this is just the thing that people are used to going into and clicking to get other places. Sure, people click through paid ads and you meet them in events and all this stuff. But when you're trying to drive someone from one stage of your funnel to the next, email is probably your highest probability to get them to move forward, but they have to be ready to take that action. It's the content that is consumed the most deeply, in my opinion, as opposed to, you know, if I'm scrolling through LinkedIn, I might see your ad, I might get the impression, I might click through it, but likely it's in a passive sense. I am wasting time on LinkedIn and passively consuming content as opposed to, I feel people that are engaging with email are reading the content a little bit more actively. Am I crazy thinking that? No, I think that's true. A lot of people want to clean out their inbox every single day, which is hard to do. But I think that people pay a bit more attention because it seems like it's coming one-to-one, right? So it seems more personalized anyway, whereas an ad on a platform is being served up to one-to-many. And I think that that is the assumption by a lot of the consumers out there. So you mentioned personalization. Just talk to me a little bit about how you personalize your outreach What are some of the data points or some of the tricks that you've used at SparkPost to try to make sure that people feel like the emails are specifically for them? I mean, we do a lot of some of the standard things, like we put maybe their name in the subject line, but not every single subject line that goes to them, we bury it in there and sort of stagger that. We always call them by their first name and we're sending them an email in terms of outreach. And then the more information we know about a person, the more personalized we can make it and more valuable that we can make it. So if we know what you do for a living, then we will only send you content that is relevant. If we know where you live, for example, we won't invite you to a dinner that we're having in New York if you live in San Francisco. If we know that you're an engineer, then we might not send you a product manager guide. They're just things like that, those little demographic data points and also behavioral data points we look at. What have you been looking at on the website? What have you done that we can send you, say, a triggered email over that might be useful for you? So if you downloaded a paper on email security, and then we were having a webinar coming up in a few weeks on email security, then we might send you a triggered email that says, hey, by the way, we saw that you downloaded this guide and have this upcoming webinar that you might find interesting. So feel free to register, something like that. Where do you think personalization goes too far? And I'll add a little bit more color to that. In some of the emails that I send out reaching out to podcast sponsors, I am including the fact that I know that they were a sponsor of a previous event. Sometimes marketers will use someone's job title. You're saying that you're using someone's previous activity on your website. At what point is someone crossing the line of just basically being creepy, saying, I'm watching you and I know what you're doing or who you are? (laughs) I think that's unique to individuals. Nobody likes to feel like you know exactly what they're doing, but if they've already given you their information, They've already established some sort of trust with you. So they know that you have their information. You're not going to make them fill out their information again because you already have it. So sort of personalizing even the conversion experience there is super useful, right? Don't make them put their full name and company and their job title in again if you already have that information from the first thing that they did. 
I wouldn't say, oh, you visited these three pages on the website, so therefore you are interested in this. You have to find a subtle way to sort of convey that message so that it doesn't seem too creepy. Yeah, I think this is a little bit about knowing your audience more than anything else. I'll give an example of when I schedule meetings with people to get them to be on my podcast. I have a marketing automation email that's sent out that says something to the extent of, hey, just want to remind you about your podcast interview that's coming up tomorrow. If you have any questions, let me know. Here's the link to the call. And sometimes when I move the meetings around at the last minute, that email still gets sent out and people write back, just wanted to confirm we're not on for tomorrow. And my response is, yes, that was a marketing automation. Sorry, you have to know your audience. I wouldn't tell someone who is not a marketer, yes, I'm using an automated marketing service to send you emails. It's not actually coming from me tapping the keyboard. They seem to be okay with it. Other people might be offended. You have to know your audience. And I think that one of the rule of thumb that I've applied is, If somebody is publicly publishing information, I think it's fair to reference it in email. And that's going back to my example of, I knew someone was an event sponsor and I use that in my email copy for sponsorship outreach. It's pretty clear how I found that information. It's published on the event page. It is not something that isn't publicly available. So to me, those are some of the guidelines So any other things that you're doing or any guidelines that you think about in terms of your email use and adoption? Yeah, I'd say one other thing that we do is we look at frequency and how often we email any one particular person. So we have it set up that we try not to over inundate people with email unless they absolutely need it. So we're pretty cognizant of how many emails we're sending per day or per week to any one individual or any group of individuals. We have some of that automated and then some of it we manually opt people out of receiving certain emails just because we don't think it would be relevant or we've already bombarded them. And I think understanding what your frequency caps are because people experience what we call email fatigue. They just get too many emails and then they wind up opting out. And it's just because if you were just more cognizant of how much email they want to get from you, then that would really help you keep your list clean and keep them engaged and active. We've implemented an email subscription center that allows people to tell us what types of emails they're actually interested in getting from us. And we implemented that last year and it's been really, really helpful to understand what people really want to get. They don't want to get everything from you. They just maybe they are only interested in your events or product updates. So whatever those are, you're giving people what they want when they want it and what they expect to get from you as a brand. And I think that's really important. Is there any number of emails over a given period of time that is the rule of thumb that you apply to figure out how much email is too much? The rule of thumb that we apply is no more than three emails per week, unless it's an operational email where it's breaking something or it's legally binding and we have to send a notice out. And that would be the only time we would override that threshold. Most customers or prospects don't get that many emails from us in a particular week anyway, but we have a max limit that we would never send you more than three anyway. Yeah, it's basically three marketing emails per week seems like the cap. Yeah. Great. Well, Tracy, I think that was really interesting and looking forward to reconnecting with you tomorrow when we're going to talk about the future of email as a channel. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Tracy for joining us. If you'd like to learn more of Tracy's tips for building an effective email strategy, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we talk about the future of email as a channel of communication. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Tracy, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send her a tweet where her handle is Tracy Sestili, T-R-A-C-Y-S-E-S-T-I-L-I, or you can visit her company's website, which is sparkpost.com. 
If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries and transcripts for all of our episodes. And if you're a subscriber to the Martech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we built benjshap.com slash question, where you can submit your questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to the rest of email week, we've got great episodes lined up every day for the rest of the month. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.